Hello, friendo. You know that feeling you get when you're around a good friend? There's nothing like it. It can make a bad day good and a good day great. I wanted to create a podcast that made me feel just like that. Every person has a story. And here in Friendo, we're going to celebrate them. I'm going to introduce you to fascinating people that will make us laugh, make us think, and inspire us. More than anything, this is a place where we can be ourselves. This is Friendo. There's one thing I know for sure, that at some point in our lives, we are going to receive news about ourselves or people that we care about that kind of shake us, where it feels like the rug gets pulled out from under our feet. And for a minute, we're forced to pause and sit with this really uncomfortable news and then make a plan. It can be really scary in those moments because we don't know how things are going to turn out. We don't know what's going to happen next. Sometimes we do know what's going to happen next. And maybe that's even scarier, you know? But today's story, when I speak with my guest, Kate Hahn, who is so vulnerable and so willing and open to share her story, there's something so powerful where even in those moments where her mother experiences terminal cancer, breast cancer, made a decision that she knew she couldn't do much for herself, but there was something she could do for her children. And I'll allow Kate to go in and share her story, but it's so powerful, those decisions that we make. And then a decision that Kate had to make in her life as a woman who carries the breast cancer gene to have a double mastectomy and then a breast reconstruction surgery, which was so incredible to hear about. I learned so much from her. Very interesting story. Very powerful. Difficult at times. I think it can be very uncomfortable to sit with someone as they explain and share a story that isn't the easiest. You know, it's not a story that any one of us want to go through ourselves. But those are the stories that are important to hear about because there's going to be those moments where we're forced into situations we don't want to necessarily be in and we're called to act for ourselves, for others, and those stories are powerful. So I'm excited to share this episode with you today. Just so powerful, so vulnerable. I'm just so grateful for the people who are open and willing to share their stories with me. And then later in the episode, do you and I go through, you know, what it was like to receive our own unsettling information, how you're forced to sit with uncomfortable thoughts like your, you know, your life at large, the fact that you, the fact that you aren't going to live forever, that we're not superheroes and, um, you know, starting to ask ourselves big questions and then stick around for three favorites of the week. One of them gets a little hot and spicy, so you'll just have to wait and listen to it. So thank you for joining me for yet another week, friendos. Let's jump into this episode. We're doing it. We're finally getting ourselves organized to do this podcast. So I'm excited (laughs) that you're here. Um, For the listener, what's really interesting about social media is that, you know, as a creator, 
you sometimes start to follow some of your followers. And I'm not exactly sure how you and I connected, but I just know that we started talking in the in the messages and you're relatively local to me. I started following you. I was just saying, I feel like I followed your life for some time now. I've seen hair changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a hairstylist now. There's been a mm-hmm. lot of change. So it's fun to chat with you in real life, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But perhaps... You could tell me and the listener a little bit about yourself and what keeps you busy these days. For sure. Um, So I'm Kate. I am a hairstylist in Kitchener, downtown Kitchener. Um, Basically, what keeps me busy right now is work, doing hair, of course. And my boyfriend and I just got a puppy. His name is Blue and he's 13 weeks now. He's a bull mastiff German shepherd. And I'm just like so in love with being a dog mom. It's so fun. But it's so much work. Like everyone's like, puppies are work. And I'm like, okay. And now I'm like, oh, puppies are work. Okay. <laughs> they yeah, really yeah, are. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they really are. They really are. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is awesome. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. first of all looking at your very cute haircut. People can't see you necessarily, you. but got a little pixie going on. And uh, mm-hmm. I love that. So, We are going to be talking about a relatively heavy topic today, but it is so important. And I know that over the years of you, that you and I have chatted online, you know, it's come up that this is something that's been a huge impact on your life and that it's a story Mm -hmm. that for one, you're not afraid to share. You said you're like an open book about it. Um, And that Mm -hmm. it's so important that these types of stories come to light. So perhaps we could start there. Tell me a little bit about your story. So when I was 11, my mom passed away of breast cancer. She was 32. So she had just turned 32. Um, And basically, unbeknownst to us kids, there were four of us kids, she had put her DNA into a bank and basically said, contact my children when they are of age. And so they can get tested to see if they have the breast cancer gene. So there are three girls in my family and one boy. My dad remarried and now there's three more. So we're like the Brady Bunch. So there's seven kids. But so the four of us all got letters. I believe we were all 21. And we were asked to go to the Dravinsky Cancer Clinic in uh, Hamilton. And they started doing testing. So they did testing. I'm the oldest. So I had my testing done first. And I do have the BRCA2 gene, which is the breast cancer gene. And at first they were just doing um, every six months, you go for an MRI and you get everything tested. And then finally, they just basically said, my chances were so high that I had to have a double mastectomy or I'm kind of basically a ticking time bomb. There were, that was like, I basically just looked at the doctor. I'm like, I need you to be honest with me. What, like, what are we doing here? And he was like, your chances are so high that you just, your best to look after yourself and have a double mastectomy. So I did that. I was told that at 27 and I turned 20. I had it when I was 28. So my double mastectomy, the medical term was a a prophylactic bilateral double mastectomy. So it was preventative, but it was both sides. Wow. Yeah, that yeah. is okay. So to back up a moment, so you said you're the eldest yeah. of your group of siblings. So how old were yeah. you when your mom passed away? I was uh, two weeks before my twelfth birthday. Oof. Yeah. First of all, my yeah. condolences. That cannot yeah. have been an easy time in your life. Mm-mm. And 
I can only imagine, like, did you feel as a young person, like, was this a conversation that was had at home? Like you could maybe get breast cancer or was it like, whoa, what's this letter at 21? It, I, I don't feel like it was. I feel like it was always something my dad was always scared of and he just was like kind of worried about it. If anyone was worried, it was my grandma who would have a conversation with me. And my mom was actually really, really good about talking to me, especially I was the oldest. And I even remember she only had a single mastectomy. So they did a lumpectomy first and then they did a single. And I remember her taking a bath one day and she called, I had to go to the washroom and she was like, just come in. And she warned me. She was like, just remember like mommy had surgery. And so I remember her showing me those single mastectomy and explaining to me why and, and why mommy would want me to check myself and make sure when I'm older that I ask someone to teach me and to look after my health. So I remember her at, I was 11, but I remember her telling me like, to be careful. And she was always obviously looking out for us, even when she's gone now. So. Absolutely. I think sometimes there's this misunderstanding of how incredible children are and how much they can actually handle. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so, I mean, you think you go back, you know, when you were that age, we spoke about breast cancer, but it wasn't like we do now. I mean, I had never Mm -hmm. seen what a body looked like after breasts had been removed. And now I have a visual in my mind because the beauty of social media is that people feel comfortable to share their vulnerability and to share their stories. And so the power Mm -hmm. though, of your mom sharing that planted a little seed, you know? And so Mm -hmm. tell me about that journey. Like when you were in your twenties and you know, you're in your, you get this information from your doctor that the best plan is this proactive measure. Like, how did you feel? Were you like, yep, we're doing this? Or was there this journey, this process that you had to go through with the change you were about to experience? For me, I got the letter when I was 21 and I had just got accepted to photography school. And I was like, I I called them and I was like, you know what? I need two years. I need to live my life for two years. I don't want this kind of looming over me call me in two years. So I went back in when I was 23. And I I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know if I had the gene. I didn't want to know. I was basically like, if you want to keep doing these tests, I'll come every six months and do these MRIs. Great. If you find something, tell me other than that, you can do the blood work. I just don't want to know. So I, it was, I was just trying to like, you know what, if something's going to happen, they'll see it in the test. So then when I was 27, I was like, you know what? My sister had gone in two weeks before and they had told her she had the genes, but she's three years younger than me. So her chances were lower because she had had a baby. So having a baby actually lowers your breast cancer chances, not by a lot, but by a little bit. So she had found out that she had the gene, but then she was pregnant. So they couldn't do anything about it. So then I was like, oh man, like maybe I should just find out. So when I went to the doctor when I was 27, then I had had, I had come to terms with the fact that I would probably just do the mastectomy. I hadn't decided what my reconstruction would be or what I would decide to do that way. But I was like, you know what? I'm one of those people. I'm like, just do it. Like if it's going to help, just do it. Fine, whatever. So I literally went into the doctor's appointment and I looked at him. And he was like, so we did the test, no lumps, nothing. And I was like, cool. 
And then he was like, have a good day. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm ready to know now. And he was like, okay. So then he told me that I had the BRCA2 gene. And then we went into like the planning process. And it was very, very fast from that point. So tell me, because I just don't know. But if you have Mm -hmm. the gene, is it like you're getting breast cancer at some point down the line? Is that, is that how it works? Um, that's how it was kind of talked to me as like my chances. He never really gave like a, a number, but he was like, your chances are high. Like, don't play around with this. Your chances are high. I do remember like the 90 percentile number being thrown at me. And I was just like, Oh, and at that point, too, he was like, you can lower it if you had children. And I, at the time, was 170, almost 170 pounds heavier than I am now. So that upped my chances as well. So he was just like, there are other ways to prevent, but it's the most preventative way is this as of right now. Like, he was like, things could change down the road. But as of right now, the only way we know to save your life is this. Wow. What a brave decision. I mean, I'm just thinking, okay, how would I feel in that situation? You know, and I don't have breast cancer in my family history. So it's not of other types of cancers, but it's not the type of cancer that I'm, you know, that's on the forefront of my mind. And I can only imagine, you know, having had this, this mark in your life, this marker of time, right? Where your mom was 32 and here you are at 27. Like, Maybe if it wasn't even on the top of your mind, I feel like as a as a young person with parents, I remember when I surpassed my parents in age where they had already had kids because they had kids really young. And I was like, oh, I did it. You know, I got to whatever age and I didn't have kids yet. And or I, I don't know, like we tend to do that comparative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find yourself doing that at any point? At like, I'm 27, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I have this whole future ahead of me now in some way. Yeah, I actually, I struggled with it because I, I looked at it and I was like, okay, well, I'll be 28 when I have it. Should I just do it or should I wait? Like my chances will go up while I get older. But if I keep getting these tests done, maybe I should just wait. And then it was just, it, I just, it was like, you know what? No, like I consulted with the doctor and he was like, the younger you are, the faster you'll recover, the better it will be in the end. And yeah, I, I more struggle now with my age because I've outlived my mother. I'm 33 now. And that's when I turned 33 in June, I was a mess. Like people wanted to hang out for my birthday. And I was like, you know what? I can't like, I genuinely, I can't wrap my head around the fact that I've outlived my mom and everyone's like, she would be so happy. But in my head, I'm just like, like it, it blows my mind because I look at my life and I'm just like, I'm 33 and I have no children. Like I have a dog child, <laughs> but like it's, my mom it counts those fur babies. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it blows my mind that my mom was such a fighter at the age she was like the things that my mom did that I've learned now as an adult. And people have told me, I'm just like, she, what she did that. I, I don't know if I would have been able to do what she did at 32, but I, that's where I found a lot of my strength in having my mastectomy as well, because I had a a people, I had quite a few people tell me that I was making a rash decision and that I was, I was rushing into it. And I'm just like, the thing is, is I was 11 and I watched my mother die. And I 
would, and that people had a lot of opinions, mainly it was rushed apparently also because I'll never be able to breastfeed my children and that I was shamed quite a bit from people about that. Wow. And they're just like, well, what about breastfeeding? And I'm just like, like, I'll never forget my first outing after my double mastectomy. I had someone drive me to Costco and I just wanted to walk around. And I, I, had wor- I was working there at the time and I had just taken a leave. And one of my fellow past coworkers saw me in a t-shirt and she was like, wow, you're really flat. And I was like, yeah. And then she goes, so what about breastfeeding? And I was like, well, obviously I can't. And then she was like, all she looked at me and said was, how selfish, and then walked away. Oh, my God. I Mm -hmm. am my, you know, when they say your skin's like boiling, I feel... Mm -hmm. That is so unbelievable. I mean, there's so many layers to that, but it's like, can we not just consider you? There's the first one, right? Mm -hmm. Like as if you didn't give that any consideration, right? Like, (laughs) come on. And then what's to say, how about all of those women who couldn't breastfeed and tried? There is a bond that's formed with your children, your future children, if you choose to do that, that has nothing to do with breastfeeding. And I say this as a woman who breastfed for many years and it's like, guess what? They love daddy just as much, <laughs> like you know, and it's, that is not, oh my God. It's like all the thought. It's like, how about you get to be there? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. My thought Bottles too is, are I'm cool. Like, I, as a child, I refused, I wasn't breastfed. I refused. I'm like, I think I turned out pretty great. Thank you. Like <laughs> me too. I was not breastfed. On. It was not yeah. what parents did back then. And it's like, no. But the inconsiderate selfishness of that comment to another human being who made a decision, mm-hmm. you know, to that I'm sure your mom is like, hell yes, Kate, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's why mm-hmm. she put that information out there to be sent to you when you that's were 21. Exactly. Like, she has plans for you that don't like that, that in there, so you can be here. Like, 32, first of all, let's just think about that for a second. Like, like you said, like you're young. That is so young. 32. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. She already had four babies. That's incredible. And, you know, to have done so much in such a short time. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that if she had known, if there was the technology then, like where we did get checked and all of this, that she would have made every decision possible to be around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we want to do. Right. And it's, oh yeah. Wow. That's um, because another question I had about the surgery itself is, you know, I didn't even think about it from that perspective of, you know, mothering and and that element of it. I was more Mm -hmm. thinking about it from the angle of like, how did you feel in your body? Right. Like, how did you feel? How was that process? Like we are creatures who have intimacy with ourselves and with our partners and our physical appearance plays a huge role in that. And I know you mentioned reconstruction, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you have that? How, what was that journey like? I'm just curious from a woman to woman perspective. Basically, I met with my surgeon who did, she was lovely. She did the mastectomy. Very, very sweet. Um, and then right from there, I met with a plastic surgeon and he presented, there are two ways of reconstruction. Well, three. One is just, you just, they try to make it as appealing as possible, but you're just flat. So it's just a flat chest. Um, and then you can do um, 
a partial reconstruction during your mastectomy. So basically they lift the muscle wall, they put in what they call expanders, which are basically deflated balloons, and then they close you up. Or you can also get a tummy tuck. So they take excess skin from your stomach and turn those into your breast. So those were my two options. And then you have to have the choice of keeping your nipple or I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Perfect. Nipples. (laughs) So keeping your nipples or not. um, The thing with nipples is it's still breast tissue, which still ups your chances of the breast cancer. Wow. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. And then also there's only a 50% chance that they'll take. So I was like, so one could take and one couldn't. And he was like, yeah, like one could literally turn black and fall off. And I was like, um, I'm like, they have no use. He's like, no, this is aesthetic. And I said, I don't want those. <laughs> right. So I went with the par- the partial reconstruction. So with the, the deflated balloons pretty much in my chest. But what I struggled with in choosing or even knowing what to do my biggest problem was I didn't have a partner at the time. I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have anyone. I didn't have anyone to even bounce ideas off of. Like, how big should my chest be? Should I get silicone implants? Should I get this? What do you like? Like, are nipples a, a deal breaker for you? Like, what? Like, what is it? And I hope my boyfriend doesn't mind me saying this, but we actually had a conversation last night about it. And I just said to him bluntly, I was like, do my boobs, I actually call them foobs, fake boobs, foobs. So I, <laughs> it's a very fake thing. I, I just name things. So I, I said to him, like, do my, do my foobs, do they freak you out? And he was like, he was like, bluntly, no. And he said, but, they are different than I've ever experienced. He's like, because you, I don't have feelings. So I have no feeling. There is no sensation. I have no feeling from just a couple inches below my collarbone to down my ribs a bit. So I have no feeling. I also have no nipples. I just have two lines across my chest that I could get tattooed. And I, and I've said to him, I said, if that's something down the road, if we get married or whatever, and you're just like, I would like that. I don't care. Like it doesn't, for me, I, I always say, I'm like, I'll never have a nip slip. Like I, <laughs> you and me. <laughs> it's just kind of an amazing, it's an amazing journey to hear about. So you're here now, a few years later, how are you feeling about yourself and your body and where your life is going? It was a journey getting to where I'm at. And I had a very hard time being open about it. Like I was always covered up. I was always wearing baggy clothes. I was just trying to take away from it. And I really found that this summer I've come into my own. I feel really, really good now. It was just coming to terms with everything and just owning it. I think I let a lot of people be my voice and put their opinions in my head for a very, very long time. But it's just learning and accepting your body where you're at and celebrating it. And I never used to celebrate it because my body's gone through a lot. Such a powerful message. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about before Mm -hmm. we come to the end of this conversation. So I recently had a little bout with a skin cancer situation. And I feel like when things like that happen, you're like, all right, doctor, what other things do we need to like be on top of, right? You have a little wobbly experience. So 
I remember asking her, like, you know, I'm 37. Like, at what point do you start going for mammograms and things like this? And I suppose with my family history not having breast cancer, that she was like, well, takes your chances down. Um, but then there was something interesting that was like, apparently they, they, whoever they are, have said, don't do self checks at home anymore because you could potentially find something that isn't a lump and freak yourself out. Cause I get that we get lumpy breasts over the course of our, our, our menstrual cycles and things, but I was a little taken aback by that. How does that land with someone like you who has gone through something like this? For me, I am still an advocate for um, self-checks. A couple weeks ago, I found a lump because I still have my lymph nodes. So I felt a lump and I was just, I told my boyfriend, I'm like, I just found a lump when I was in the shower. And he was like, okay. And he was like, what are we going to do? And I was like, I'm like, I'm going to call the doctor. I'm going to get it checked out. And I got it checked out right away. And it wasn't during my menstrual cycle. It wasn't a week before. Like I was not uh, anything that they like warn you about. But because I'm aware of my body and I know my body, I know enough to know what to feel for. And I've had friends who are literally like, Kate, I feel something. And I like, I'll touch and I'm just like, I don't think you need to worry. But if you're nervous, call your doctor or just keep checking. And a lot of people, again, are, are telling me, they're like, yeah, the doctors are saying you don't need to self-check. You know what? I still believe you need to self-check. I also believe you need to be an advocate for yourself, no matter your age. I have people that I know who were in their late 20s and they got breast cancer. And like my mom only found her lump because she was breastfeeding my little sister. My mom would have never, that's what she, and she told me that she would have never have checked if she hadn't have been breastfeeding. And she was like, Ooh, that's weird. And she just felt a lump and got it checked out. So I, as much as they say, like not to freak yourself out and don't freak yourself out. Like, take a deep breath. It could be nothing. It could be a cyst. It could be a blocked milk stuff. And everyone's like, well, I'm not breastfeeding. It doesn't have, you don't have to be breastfeeding. You can still have a blocked milk stuff. You can still have some sort of clog. There's, it's just important to understand your body and to know that you're allowed to have a voice. I learned that very quickly during all of this is your doctor will listen to you if you ask. And if your doctor isn't listening to you, you're going to the wrong doctor. Your doctor should be advocating for you. They should be on your side and they should be listening to any fears you have. If you're calling them every day with fears, I understand that they might need to deal with something else, but you're allowed to be scared and you're allowed to have a voice for yourself and you're allowed to ask for them to check. I agree. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know I've learned a lot um, and I really appreciate your vulnerability today. No problem. Hey, Dino. Hey, Manda. Welcome, welcome. Thanks. How you doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Episode seven of the season. We're getting there. Episode seven? I know. Hold on here. <laughs> One. I thought it was episode three. Well, I might have blacked out. You might have. I might have blacked out a little bit there. What's it's, going on? It's been a weird year. Not much. Not much. You know, I had a really great conversation with Kate today. Yeah. Talking about her experience with cancer and breast cancer in her family and jesus you know it's funny though how you can actually have like a really uplifting and kind of funny at times conversation about a really difficult topic so that was really refreshing well humor kind of masks it a little bit and it's a healthy thing sometimes to look at i mean how 
much humor can you put into breast cancer? Not too much. Not too much. Jesus. You know, it's a thing that occurs to me. I don't know how you feel about this, but do you feel like sometimes when you hear about someone who got breast cancer or any kind of cancer and then actually speak to them, mm-hmm. isn't it a different, you know, what realm almost? You're just like, oh, I'm, you're looking into their eyes and stuff. Like, for instance, you had cancer. I did. Just little cancer. <laughs> little can't if it has the c word attached to it i'm like i'm out of here that you know yes what you were saying like speaking to kate or anybody it's very is visceral the right word like it's so real that it's got like sharp edges to it which is really painful for a lot of people yeah to talk about real stuff well i remember when i went in and just to back up for anyone listening like i ended up um having basal cell carcinoma which is a form of skin cancer earlier this year. Yeah. Big patch of it. Yeah. Big patch. Really weird spot, by the way. I have a whole video if you'd want to like go into more depth, but it was, it looked like a blister and it was right on my left breast underneath. And I thought it was just from running. Like I thought it was just something that wasn't healing. Oh, like chafing or something? Yeah. Because it's in a perfect chafe location. I never thought of that. Well, that's what I thought it was, which is why it sat there for months. Um, Anyway, so then after like six months of this thing not healing, I got it checked out. So when I got had a biopsy and everything, I'm like, oh, no big deal. We'll just we'll get it looked at, you know. But I remember when the doctor called and you hear cancer like it's like I didn't hear anything else that she said to me. It was like ringing. I, I was just so shocked yeah. that me, Amanda, yeah. was I have a cancer like what? I just handed you the phone. You didn't know what was happening. You had come out of the bathroom and I was just like, <laughs> like it was. Well, you've got to look about you when and you hear some bad news or you get upset. First of all, your face, you know, you regress, re, you experience some regression to back when you're like five or something. You look like you're about five years old. Oh no! Your eyes are all red and your mouth kind of like has a slight like pout to it. Yeah. Not a pout, but you're just, you're upset. Yeah. Because you don't get like that. No. I've only seen like you like that a few times. So, yeah, I knew something was, woo, something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was. And then there's like these these moments of um, you don't believe it. So you're like in disbelief. I, I think at one point I actually said to you, like, I'm not going to Google this. So I need you to Google it. Right. Like, am I dying right now? Like, I just didn't know. And, and you weren't. I was not. And no. it was not. And it was so much like less scary of cancers to get it was the good one that's the good cancer to get you better believe it's easily it. solved you know totally but yeah. it's such a it's so uncertain you know and then shortly after that my dad comes out with real real cancer you right. know and right. rounds and rounds of radiation and surgery and it's like it's really hard to not talk about it actually this is one thing my dad and i were talking about is like you almost don't have a conversation about anything else no well what what else can you talk about even if you force yourself hey you know how's the weather how's your sports team doing it probably never goes out of your mind like personally i can't even think about you know getting cancer and how I would deal with it because I'm not in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so fearful. People are so fearful of it because it's, uh, I don't know what the statistics are, but cancer is going around. Yeah. Well, that's the stupidest thing to say, but a lot of people get cancer. They do. You don't want to deal with it because, 
what's to deal with? It's such a horrific thing. Well, what it is, is it's very destabilizing. So everything that you just take for granted. So how did you feel? Like, how did you feel? Right. You, you got the news. Obviously you're, were you scared? Were you shocked? Were you angry? Did you go through all those emotions? What? I was definitely scared and of the unknown. I'm very fearful as a person about things I've never experienced. It's just my nature. Yes, you are. And I acknowledge it. So I was really scared about, okay, what happens next? What's the surgery going to be like? I had so many questions, you know, but I also felt a lot of shame, ironically enough, because I felt that I had done something to, to get it because in my early twenties, I was working in a tanning salon and I had done a ton of tanning and it was like the fashion at the time. And I was like, God damn it, if I hadn't done that, would I be in this situation? And I I even said that to the surgeon while she was removing the spot. And she kind of looked me in the eyes and was like, you didn't do anything to deserve this. Like your cells just did a weird thing. And some people are more. Well, I I don't know if it's shame or it's just regret. No, it, it was a real icky it was an icky feeling. And then I realized at one point that like, it also, I have to say, hit me at a time of year where I'm already pretty low. Like I discovered this, I think it was January. Mm-hmm. And that is a rough time of year for me. Like I'm already feeling the struggle right now. Um, it being November as we're recording this, but I get really low in these months and it really takes a lot of effort for me to get like my mojo going. And so right. when I got that news, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed. Can you just wake me up in the, like in the spring? Like I just felt really low. And then I realized, you know what? We can, we can talk about this. And I have this amazing community. And so then I shared it on Instagram and started sharing my story and my journey on YouTube. Yeah. And I found it so supportive to have people, people are so people to be like incredibly supportive. They're like, I had it too, and it's gone and it's never yeah. come back. Or I had some it once people or are twice. Real dicks. Yeah, some are. But mostly, honestly, yeah. I don't focus on those. So that was really cool to have this like built-in support network that I was like, we're tapping into this. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how the, that uh I was just having a conversation about that. Well we I didn't we talk about it in the last episode about you know, our, you know, how do we share our lives online and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And, um, funny, I, I delivered a candle to somebody and, uh, Fran, if you're out there, Hey Fran. <laughs> Hi Fran. Um, and we got talking about, and she went, she's going through some difficult times in her life as she has a child with special needs, her and her husband have, uh, have split up and, uh, you know, I I was kind of relating my story to as well as losing uh, or sharing my story about losing my job and stuff. She probably already knew because she follows you online. Mm-hmm. Although when I approach these people, I never know that I'm just not in that frame of mind. I'm just like a delivery guy. And they're like, Oh, I, I heard you said this on, I'm like, Oh geez. Yeah. You sometimes think, how would I meet the, how would I, if I met these people, how would they react to me in real life? And, you know, um, they are, fantastic people out there they're just like everyone else and they're authentic and kind and wow i bet like i'm hoping that people that do get diseases and like cancer and and stuff like that i mean 
I hope that they reach out online and get the support. I think a lot of them do because maybe it's, it was a very lonely thing to experience like 25 years ago when we didn't have uh, social media like we do now. What do you think about what do you, what do you think about that? I think it's still very lonely. I think that people there's, I think there's a combination of people don't want to be a burden to others. So they don't want to overshare. And then I also think that there's a a weird knee jerk reaction that we have as humans that instead of just offering support and empathy, we are very afraid of almost catching it. Like I know subconsciously, not like you're going to catch someone's cancer, but it's like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. It is painful and makes me feel bad. And therefore I'm going to distance myself. So I think there's that reaction too. But then there's also really great people. So what I would say to anyone listening, who's going through something tricky, because I guarantee there's a few of you. Phone Amanda. Well, no, not that, but like, don't be afraid to share your story because I just think if you're helping one person feel less alone in their journey, you're doing amazing things by sharing and the power of storytelling. And I've also found that just by sharing, it almost made me more accountable to myself to not sit in that despair as, as long as I wanted to. It was like, Amanda, hold on here. Let's, let's get up. You know, you've healed from the surgery because it took a little bit, a very sensitive, tender spot to heal. But once I was healed, I was like, let's get back on that treadmill. Let's, keep lifting weights. Let's, you know, oh, I'm, and then I, you know, found my anxiety to be really, really bad with panic attacks. And it was like, I'm, I've already shared this wild journey at the start of the year. Why stop now? You know, here's what's going on with my panic attacks. Let's look into medication. You know, I don't have to sit here and feel terrible. And you realize that that scary story you're sharing, it's only scary because you feel like you're so alone in it. Yeah. But then by sharing, you realize you're not. Well, I, so remember we were talking about people's shit flowing over or, (laughs) you know, everybody's shit, shit bucket is overflowing and you don't notice it until you actually speak to somebody and, and, and get their story. And I mean, we're no different. And how I found that is that, you know, by talking to people, by sharing things online, uh, there's so much of it, the horror of the pandemic with regards to people's livelihood and work and lack of money. It's just, it's everywhere. It's just not, you know, you, you don't see it because all our houses look the same and people are walking around doing their thing, but you don't know their personal stories, but you do when you're on social media, because I share, you know, on Instagram, uh, you know, some, I feel really down sometimes about things and and trying to stay busy and standing up and keep on going and keep on going. And I'm so lucky to have support from the outside. Uh uh, you know, getting a job uh uh from from a, a very kind person, a kind couple that support us, and um and just people reaching out like other airline families and saying, Yeah, we've been there, we're mm-hmm. here too. And I think that unless you see it and hear it, it's all just kind of like, you just feel like it's just you. Do you feel, do you feel well, that? that's it? That's yeah. the, that's the beauty of sharing your story and that, you know, it, it gives people an opportunity to share theirs. Yeah. We don't want to feel alone when we're going through such difficult times. No. And 
there, you know, last week we, or was it two weeks ago when we were talking about aging and, you know, sharing our difficult stories and people say like, well, you shouldn't complain about it because you have X, Y, Z. No, like we're allowed to feel. Are you referring to the Paulina Poroskova one? Yeah. Like we're allowed to feel things and it doesn't have to be like a term that came up over COVID was this thing called comparative suffering. Like some people feel like they're not entitled to feel badly about stuff because they don't have it as bad as the next person. But that's not how we live in this life. You know, we don't live our life and constantly compare ourselves to other people and seem like we have to validate our feelings based on how other people are feeling. That sounds like wild. No, if you feel rough, you feel rough. You can share your journey. You can share when things are high and low. And I think that's the beauty of that, of tapping into and asking for help. Right. You know, I I just listened to this beautiful podcast with Brene Brown and who, you know, shares a lot about vulnerability, but she's actually delving into this whole concept of trust and how when we feel that we can trust people, that we're more prone to be able to ask for help. Right. Because I think a lot of us, and I'm just paraphrasing and this concept's very new to me, but she's like, you know, a lot of us are very prone to want to help others because that's really easy. It makes us feel good. Yeah. But we lack trust in people and therefore we don't ask for help as often as we need. And what I realized over this whole experience is that the help I needed was to feel less alone and to feel loved and supported. And I realized that the only way I'm going to get that is if I ask for it. Right. And that's what I did is I went online and I shared my story and I received so much love. And it really carried me through some weird thoughts that I was having about my mortality, honestly. Oh, God. Yeah. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. Give me a shake, you know? Well, as you get older... Right. Or maybe not even as you get older, there's something maybe maybe happened to you or so a loved one passed away. And, you know, you kind of really like you can't even prepare yourself for what your mind does when you suddenly looking at your own mortality and going, oh, um, it's not forever. You hear it like it's a punchline, like it's an antidote. It's nothing's forever. Nothing lasts, but it's real. Oh, yeah. You know, and part of you thinks that or I think it makes me feel like, you know, looking at the things that are important and some of it is looking at the things that other people need. Like I look at my kids, our kids. Well, they can be mine, too, I guess. (laughs) Today they're yours. And how my son is so attached to me right now. And I'm spending the time. I'm showing him how to, you know, shoot a BB gun and cut a piece of wood with a regular saw and hammer a nail. And and he's showing you how to play Roblox. He shows me how to play Roblox. (laughs) And if you guys want to go on Roblox, I'm on, uh, what am I on? I'm Hunter River 5 on Roblox. There you go. And... I like to play um, Fortnite. There you go. And I kick every eight-year-old's ass within a hundred <laughs> miles of here. So if your kid needs a tuning up, just no, I'm just joking. But you know what I mean. So, so you're finding that support, and you get reward for it. Like that's something that I will carry with me till the moment I die. Is those memories and and that feeling and 
contributing to somebody's life Mm -hmm. because some people don't have that. Like my father was there and he was very supportive of me, but at really, you know, different times in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, but he's always been there for the most part. But I remember those times. I remember the first time I used a handsaw or I took a part or I changed the oil in my car. He showed Mm -hmm. me how to do that. And it's so rewarding to, you know, to remember that stuff. So what I'm saying is that you start, you know, it grounds you, I guess, you know, thinking about your own mortality. I'd say. Yeah. And it's, if anything, you can think about your mortality and live in a place of fear, like fearing the end and all this scary stuff. But then I also think you could also propel yourself to a place where you're not just living to serve yourself. I think there was a lot of that where I realized I have to take care of myself. That's one thing that came from like a difficult moment. So like no one's really going to take care of me, but me. So if I'm feeling rough or if I'm not doing well, like I got to step up and nurture myself. Yeah. And then I also was like, there's a lot of stuff that's important to me that I'm not really prioritizing right now because I've been living in this perpetual state of stress and like friendships, like my my old buddy Jack, you know, and I really make time. I don't always have the time, but I'm like, guess what? I'm the boss of my life, (laughs) you know, like nobody's chaining me to my desk and Nobody's forcing me to do the laundry. Right. It's like, babe. Right. There's nobody go coming take an into hour. the There's no pepper pots and Iron Man coming into no. ske- schedule. Well, Pepper's the boss now. But, she is the boss, yeah. But there's nobody coming in to schedule your day. No. And there's no one there to question you know, about what you're doing with your day. But let me ask, let's go back to, I just want to ask you something because I never asked you this before. Sure. Are you afraid to die? Or, um, let me finish that. Are you afraid to die? Or would you just be sad to die? I hate missing out. That sounds so morbid to say that, but. Yeah, it's a real weird ending of this podcast. But like, yeah, I definitely have a fear of missing out. So yeah, I'll be pissed about all this stuff I'm going to miss out on. So you'd be angry to die? Um, I hope when I die, I'm like old AF and I'm like, yo, bitches, I got to go. Like I got things to do. Right. Like run around with some people I haven't seen in a while, you know, but like. I'd be mad if I had to go soon. But I also think that, hmm, yeah, I think it's it's definitely fearful. I think I'm more, I think death is inevitable. I'm more thinking about being alone later in my life and the fear of being alone. You, know, you married an old guy. You'll be all right. You just basically. Why don't dismiss me, sir? A lot of people have a fear of being alone. No, I'm not dismissing you. I'm just saying that. Okay, maybe that's not fair, but I think you'll do okay. I don't want a partner. I'm just saying, like, I go visit Jack, and I'm the only person that talks to him for, like, Oh, weeks. are you going to remarry? I don't know. If I know. go first? Well, when are you planning to go? I'm like, well, I, the you, watch. you never know. You ne- you never... This is what we're saying. We don't know. Yeah. Well, what about you, sir? No, I'm not afraid to die at all. You're not. And I also have, well... I think I'm curious about, you know, well, when you have a heart attack, what does that feel like or mm. a, a stroke or whatever? And yeah. Like, does your, does your mind protect you, you know? And yeah. Where, does your mind protect you? Because like, or I don't you, know if you've ever passed out, but I've passed out many times. You don't notice you're passing out. He's passed out. You feel like you're just closing your eyes for a second. Doesn't feel bad. Yeah. I really don't know. But the thing is, is that I know that 
like I'm, I would, I feel nervous about that, but I don't have any regrets because mm. I, I got to fill my life with lots of really cool things to do. And I, I have a son and daughter that I put in the world and I think they're going to be amazing people. But I just feel like, I think at that moment, you know, you do think it's inevitable and you, they say that, you know, everything just flash, your whole life just flashes you like through, through a film strip or something, you know? And, uh, but no, no, I don't, I'm not scared to die, but I think I would, I guess it's natural. Everybody wants to just well, one more day, right? Exactly. That one more spin of the wheel. Yeah, see what that, happens. That FOMO runs deep. <laughs> like, but you know, it's a good, it's a good thing to just, when you, I don't mean to sound morbid when I'm talking about that, but it's a good lesson to kind of examine where you are in your life and how you feel about your life. And, you know, we're going through this hard time and diseases may come or may not come, or you may die tomorrow, or you may die in, you know, 40 years, whatever the case may be. But it's good. I find it's nice to do a little checkup every once in a while. Like what's important? Yes. You know, I I maybe call back to work still. And I think about all the hotel nights and, you know, time in flying through the air in the middle of nowhere and all this kind of stuff. And you kind of go, geez, is that the best use of the time I have remaining on this mm. earth? But anyway, there's a lot of things to think about, right? It's it's a good thing topic to bring up and just hmm it's a hmm topic it totally and i think you know it's it's i think what we've spoken about throughout this episode is a lot of like that sitting with that discomfort right yeah. the discomfort of having in kate's situation having to make a decision like not having been diagnosed with full-on breast cancer but knowing you carry the gene what do you do? And she made that difficult decision to get a double mastectomy, yeah. you know, sharing the discomfort of going through a cancer scare yourself. It's not the easiest thing to share, sharing mental health struggles. You feel uncomfortable about it. And then like what you're saying, like thinking about death, death is going, is, we it's all common. have that in common, common right? Yeah. It's uncomfortable, but sometimes sitting with that discomfort gets you more comfortable with an icky situation because it's like you can't avoid it. Yeah. All the time. Well, there's so many cliches about that. You know, uh, people live in the moment, live in the moment. Toxic and you think positivity. about that, you, go, well, yeah. you, you don't have, tomorrow's gone. Tomorrow you don't. Yesterday's gone. Sorry, yesterday, <laughs> tomorrow's yeah. gone. Shit. <laughs> yesterday's gone. Uh, tomorrow you have no idea and you only have today, minute to minute. Yeah. We like to plan ahead and I, it's so commercialized, you know, Hey, freedom 55, you know, we're going to retire at this age and I want to live, you know, by this lake with a, what a, with a beaver or whatever and, <laughs> or, and a moose friend. That's my own dream, by the way, <laughs> beaver and a moose friend, but you don't, you don't know if you're going to get that. Exactly. You don't know if you're going to take that trip. You don't know if you're going to uh, meet that person that you've always wanted to meet. Uh, you don't know if you're going to anything. Mm -hmm. Try that new food dish that you've discovered that, nah, I don't really want to go and get that ingredient. I'll just, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, you should. Why not? Honestly. Don't and if let anything, the world consume your, your, uh, your dreams, you know? It motivates me to think about things that bring me enjoyment. Like, because you have to, I feel like because all of it's kind of constantly moving and changing, I feel like it's so important to take a little bit of joy out of each day. You know, yeah. Like, well, you do that all the time, anyway. You, I'm getting better at it. 
you do. You just have odd bad days when you're overwhelmed with work and you're yeah. doing all the stuff and you're carrying all. Well, I'm working now and candles Absolutely, make money, yeah. but you know you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting, and it's it's a very difficult thing to do. But you get up and you take the dogs for a walk. You love snow. I do. And you have a brand new snow blower <laughs> that I know you're waiting. I, I look at you I in the morning. <laughs> you probably gaze at that machine. You're like. Yeah. I open the curtains in my room to see how much it snowed to determine yeah, what I'm doing. That's your whole day right there. <laughs> it all revolves around the snow blower. Listen, I'm a cup half full person. Okay. You are. You very much are. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for chatting, Dean. Thanks. It was great. All right. Till next week. See ya. Bye. Welcome to The Favorites, friendos. We've entered the land of chaos, okay? I don't know how I'm holding it together right now. It's December 7th as I record these favorites, and it just seems like I dove headfirst into the holiday season, and I just, we got to pace ourselves, right? I saw this post that was saying something along the lines of all of the festive magic you recall as a child is because your mom worked overtime and loved you, basically, or a parent of some kind. Well, this is how I feel. It's like the reason my kids are experiencing anything festive is because I am putting it together for them. And my kid's birthday is tomorrow. Oh, goodness me. December is busy. But let's talk about three things that I thoroughly enjoyed this month. This week, this week. Okay, the first, guided power walks. Who knew that this was a thing? So if you're like me, I have trouble uh, staying afloat on the fitness wagon November and December, and then I pick it back up in January. It just, it's hard in the world of creators. It's a very busy time. We're doing lots of sponsored posts. So it's, you know, it's a very you know, magical time for creators because we have an opportunity to work really hard and, and support our families or ourselves. And it's great. But my goodness, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of time for much else. So that said, when it comes to fitness, you always have to like it. The more I like something, the more I feel inclined to do it. So I, um, I found these guided power walks. I love a guided workout makes me feel connected to the instructor, even if it's virtual. It's so much fun and they're so animated. I think like a lot of these fitness apps, Peloton just happens to be the one I've been using lately. I mean, very animated, very fun, engaging. And so I don't feel like running. It's kind of sore on my knees. I'm just not in that like full cardio mode. So I try to guide a power walk and they're incredible and I highly recommend it, whether it's Peloton or YouTube or wherever you can find them. They're so much fun. You can do them outside, just going for a walk outdoors and sort of pick up speed and slow down according to what the instructor is saying. Or you use a treadmill inside and I'm telling you, I felt that in my legs the next day. Like it's good for you. And there's so much science behind the benefit of walking. So highly recommend it. So much fun. I mean, it works for you if you're going to be walking outdoors, get all bundled up and go or else indoors on a treadmill. And it was very enjoyable. My next favorite, I feel like it's a little bit uh, controversial. <laughs> Are you or are you not a person who enjoys flannel bed sheets? 
I like being warm and cozy, okay? Especially in the winter. And it gets a little chilly in Ontario. And I find once the temperature drops to like zero and hovers around there a little below, I'm into some flannel bed sheets. Not everybody in my home likes them. My boys, they do not. So at the moment, I am taking this opportunity because Dean is having trouble sleeping. And so he's sleeping. It's kind of weird, but he's sleeping on a mattress in Jack's room. I don't question it, okay? I learned long ago in early parenthood that the key to magical family life is ensuring that people sleep. And if Dean can sleep on that mattress, then you do what you got to do. So I'm taking... I'm taking advantage and I'm using my flannel bed sheets. I just love it. Like I crawl in the bed and I don't feel cold. I do heat up in the night. And so I sort of take off a couple of my blankets as the night goes on. But when when I crawl into bed, my feet are so cold and it's just, it keeps me warm and I love it. But I do not recommend wearing flannel pajamas and sleeping in flannel bed sheets because I'm telling you, there's like sparks in the night. And otherwise you get like stuck. You try to rotate your pajamas, stay in one place. It's not good. It's like Velcro, but I like it. And my last one, It's probably been a favorite for a long time. I just don't think I've conveyed this with you. You might think you know me well, but do you know how much I love hot sauce? Love it. A good spicy sauce. My favorite is from Nando's and you can buy this from grocery stores. I buy them all like various grocery stores, actually. Hot sauce section called Nando's. The medium one is good. I prefer the hot one because I just love a little kick. But what I like about it is it's a hot sauce with flavor. I've tried a few different hot sauces and there was this one that it was just hot. Like there was no flavor, no pizzazz and it killed the taste of the food for me. I put way too much and I was like, I regret this decision. But Nando's has, um, it's like a sour heat. I don't know how to explain it. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I put it on everything. If there's gravy, pork chops, I mix it in there. Some potatoes. Ooh, it's really good if you put some mayo with it and you dip some French fries in there. Oh, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. But another one that is a close second, although it might be a little too hot, is from Harvey's. So I went through the drive-thru the other day and I got a dipping sauce and it was their ghost pepper dipping sauce. And that was, that was spicy. Almost a little too spicy. The McDonald's uh, habanero sauce. Mm, that's a good one. So I would say in terms of heat, it goes like McDonald's habanero, then it goes Nando's hot, and then ghost pepper from Harvey's. Real good. Those are my favorites for the week. Thank you for being here. I hope that you're easing into the holiday season smoothly. It can be a really tricky time of year with the financial expectations, with the emotional expectations with our family and friends. And I just let's all take a collective deep breath in through the nose, out through the mouth. And just Christmas is not about all the things. Memories can be made without lots of money being spent. I can attest to that. And I just, I wish you all the best as we ease into it. So This is not goodbye, by the way. I will be back next week with a brand new episode with a friend, a new friend of mine. She's kind of a pretty famous TikToker and she's really lovely, so down to earth. I've really enjoyed getting to know her. So I'm excited to bring that episode to you. And of course, if you missed last week, go back and listen with Katie. She's another creator, actually. And she speaks all about being a mom and postpartum bodies and fitness. And it was just wonderful. So thank you for being here. And I'll catch you in the next episode. 
Friendo is produced by Amanda Muse with producer Dila Velasquez. Audio editing by Ali Ashbacker and Amanda Muse. Production and sound design by Rob Johnson. Can I ask a little favor? Can you share this podcast with a friend? It's the best way to help get Friendo into new ears. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Find me on Instagram daily at Amanda Muse, YouTube for weekly videos at Amanda Muse, and TikTok for some laughs at Muse Amanda. Thank you for listening and join me next week.